0: Welcome to Fundraising Fundamentals. This is the Chronicle of Philanthropy's monthly podcast. I'm Tony Martinetti. This month, women as major donors. How is female philanthropy different than male philanthropy? My guest is Andrea Pachter, Associate Director of the Women's Philanthropy Institute at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. The institute is the only research and education-based unit in the world Solely dedicated to the study of gender and philanthropy, they are at WPI Insights. Andrea, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Tony. I'm looking
0: forward to the conversation. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Now I'm calling from uh, Emerald Isle, North Carolina. That's why I'm not in our New York City studio. Where are you?
1: I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana.
0: Okay, where the uh, where the the, uh, the institute has its office in Indianapolis?
1: Right. We're on the campus of one of the Indiana University campuses. Uh, it's called Indiana University, Purdue University at Indianapolis, affectionately known as IUPUI.
0: Or actually, Ui, Ui Pui, isn't it?
1: In the old days, we used to say ooey Oh, Pui. okay. You, you want to get away to from ooey All right. I'm
0: sorry. All right, I won't say that again. Okay. Um, we want to talk about uh, the differences between working with women as major donors and, and working with men. I think at the outset, women have different motivations for their giving, right?
1: Right. Um, the reason that the study of gender is important is because gender matters in philanthropy. And what we've learned from the research is that both men and women have different motivations for philanthropy and different patterns of giving. It's really important to understand that one is not better than the other. They are simply
0: different. Okay. Um, and. Women typically outlive men, uh, so that has implications for for wealth accumulation.
1: Well, absolutely. There are lots of factors that affect women's proclivity for philanthropy, and it's very important for nonprofits to understand that women have increased access to income and wealth, so it's a wake-up call um, for nonprofits, both large and small. Within that context, understand that not only do women live longer than men, but they will likely inherit twice—once from their parents and once from their husbands.
0: So, all right. Hence the, uh, the that accumulation. I was I was asking you about. Um, now, smaller nonprofits are likely, I think, to have some advantage here because the, this uh, the, the different motivations have implications for the way nonprofits approach female potential donors.
1: Right, I could give you two examples of that, Tony. One related to the motivations and the other related to patterns of giving. So we're very fortunate that some scholars have done some research around the empathy piece. Lots of research shows that women tend to bring empathy to the table. But this one study in particular explored how empathy affects fundraising for giving to poverty relief. And unlike women, men were not motivated by empathy, but rather by framing poverty as an issue that negatively affects all Americans. So there's this sense of an aligned self-interest, which increased men's poverty concern. But when framed in that same manner for women, Women responded with lower willingness to contribute for poverty relief. So the message here is that nonprofits, large and small, need to understand a little bit more about their uh, about their donors' motivations and recognize that men and women have different motivations, and thus they, the nonprofit probably wants to think very carefully about tailoring its messages. I mean, the era of a one-size-fits-all fundraising model is long gone. It's so... 20th century, and today we really do need to be sensitive just like our friends in the retail industry, we have to be very sensitive to the, the way to appeal to our donors. Um, in terms of patterns of giving, women tend to spread their contributions among many organizations, so a woman might give a cumulative $1,000 or $10,000 annually. But because she gives it to 10 or more organizations, she's perceived by a fundraiser as not philanthropic. And this couldn't be farther from the truth.
0: It's, it's easier for them to pivot and start to, uh, I don't want to just say accommodate, but start to accept women, the, the differences between male and female philanthropy. So I think, I think that's where I see the small shop advantage.
1: We would hope that in today's world, all nonprofits will be nimble and flexible, but it is possible that a smaller shop might have some advantages if they can stay on their toes and be responsive to the changing demographics around them.
0: Yeah. So it's
1: really important for all nonprofits to understand that when we add gender to the equation, we're not asking anybody to throw everything out and start over but rather to make tweaks and adapt strategies to make sure that the fundraising efforts are inclusive to all donors.
0: Yeah. Andrea, let's get into some detail here. What, what specifically could, could organizations do?
1: So there, there, are a, there are a couple of things. For instance, sometimes it's very helpful to step back and evaluate special events. Many small nonprofits in particular rely heavily on special events. Ask yourselves, are those special events particularly male-focused? Do you have gridiron dinners that bring in the, uh, bring in the audience and feature the celebrity uh, quarterback of the year? Um, do you have only golf outings? Because if so, it may well be oh, – so go ahead,
0: Tony. No, I wasn't saying anything, but, oh, but yeah. since you it, gave me the chance. It may now, well
1: be I'm, I'm not it too women...
0: – I'm not too bright about sports. Gridiron and quarterback, is that baseball?
1: Uh, gridiron quarterback Tony is football. That's
0: uh, football. Oh, that's the one with the oh, okay we, with the strange shape. We are, we are shape. Okay. here in okay.
1: Indianapolis with the home of the Indianapolis Colts and our quarterback Andrew Luck. So it's appropriate to us.
0: Isn't it the uh, Baltimore? The, wait, isn't, isn't it the Baltimore Colts?
1: <laughs> You're dating yourself, Tony.
0: Oh, was that a long? T- oh, I guess I didn't read the paper that day. I, I that didn't was know that back that. back in had,
1: 1984.
0: I didn't know that that had changed. Oh, right, it's a couple of years. Uh, um, in any case, all right, so we don 't want to be male focused you know there 's something I see at events, Andrea it really annoys me when uh, people from the organization are talking they, they they start talking to the couple and then they focus on the guy, and the woman either stands there marginalized or sometimes you know is so un- uncomfortable she has to like politely excuse herself because she 's omitted from the conversation. I, 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 I see that a lot.
1: Uh, we think that happens far too often. Yeah. And
0: I mean, that's just one example if, of if, you
1: know, uh, if uh, fundraisers uh, would bad, understand bad what practice at
0: events. Um, okay, what else besides events can, can nonprofits focus on?
1: Well, so this goes back to your point about what you're seeing um, in person, and that is to reflect a little bit on... Who's getting visited in terms of a fundraising strategy? Does the executive director, or if the small nonprofit is fortunate enough to have a major gift officer, um, do those folks visit as many women visit as many women as men donors, and do they visit with the couples rather than only the husband? I mean, we have some research that originally suggested that in 90% of households, women are making the philanthropic decisions either jointly or on their own. We have new research that breaks that down by income level, and in a general population household, uh, couples are making their decisions jointly 75% of the time, or 75% of the households are making their decisions jointly, and in high net worth households, couples are making their decisions 50% of the time uh, yeah. jointly. So. These are wake-up calls, again, for fundraisers to understand that in many households, most households, philanthropy is a combined interest activity. So those fundraisers who are actively engaging the woman in the conversation at the event, like the one that you mentioned, or um, when they're planning their visits, um, are going to be ahead of the curve here. Because And, and
0: what about direct mail? Are we addressing the letter to only the the guy or are we addressing the couple
1: we've heard lots of horror stories about this it's not only direct mail that's important but it's that very important thank you letter that's important it's really essential in the 21st century for the nonprofit organization to um, if they don't know how to acknowledge the donor uh, to err on the side of including both of them in the conversation, or better yet, to ask them, how would you like, how would you like the salutation and the letter to be addressed?
0: Yes, ask, ask. Women, women input. want to be deeper engaged than than men.
1: Absolutely, and they, this well, is an more. issue that can be very challenging for nonprofits, um, particularly with small staffs. So I came up with a list of. Um, pretty much low-cost activities that can help nonprofits involve women donors in your work without creating more work for yourselves and without a lot of cost.
0: Okay, just give us your your top three. That's all we have have a chance for.
1: Okay. Uh, Step back and reflect on all the activities you currently do. Is there an easy way to bring women into the work beyond planning for special events? Can you organize a behind-the-scenes tour of your facility? with a board member or someone whose expertise can deepen the woman's understanding of your mission and challenges related to it. In thinking about your communications with all donors, do you include photos in your printed material and on the website that are representative of all donors, men and women and by age, race and ethnicity? And the final one would be a testimonial on your website from a female donor about why she supports your organization. The general sense is that women want both data and personal stories of impact when determining what nonprofits to support.
0: Outstanding, Andrea. We're gonna leave it there. Thank you very, very much.
1: Okay, you're very welcome. Thank you.
0: Uh, My pleasure. Andrea Pachter, Associate Director of the Women's Philanthropy Institute at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. Thank you so much for listening to Fundraising Fundamentals each month. May I suggest you check out Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. It's big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. It's my weekly one-hour podcast that goes way beyond fundraising to help you with all the issues facing small and mid sized nonprofits, like social media, board relations, marketing communications, technology volunteer management, and all the fundraising topics, and more. I've got over 10,000 listeners each week. You'll find info on iTunes and at TonyMartinetti.com. Thanks so much for listening. Be with me next month for Fundraising Fundamentals.